Welcome to the podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Katie. And this is One One Kiss Kiss Means Forever. This is the podcast where you just go around your merry way, doing your thing, fixing clocks, and then all of a sudden you're transported to a different time. And you both love it and are also like, what the fuck? <laughs> Literally, that's what we like to talk about for your favorite made-for-TV romances. The kinds that you find on Hallmark, Netflix, Lifetime, and others. Yeah. So, Katie, I'm so excited for today for this because uh, j- just to spoil everything right right up at the top, I do not think this was the best Christmas movie of 2020 from Hallmark, but it was far and away my favorite. <laughs> Absolutely. I I love this movie. I love it so much. Not only did I watch it like two or three times in the span of like the first weekend, but then I went out and got the book and read the book. (laughs) Speaking of which, Hannah has a really great episode that she did with Which Was Better podcast where she discusses the book and the movie. Yeah. Of what we're talking um, about. So, and I will try not to do too much overlap between the two because we're just talking the movie today. We're not really going to go into the differences because they're, they're like, there are a number of differences, but it's more in like tone. So today we're talking about a timeless Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it originally aired, it was a Sunday night homework movie. Uh, November 15th uh, of 2020. And this is possibly my favorite kind of blurb because it tells you nothing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But this is what Hallmark has to say. Charles Whitley travels from 1903 to 2020 where he meets Meghan Turner and experiences a 21st century Christmas. The end. <laughs> I feel like this is the Statler and Waldorf things. Like, it's short. We loved it. Yay. <laughs> and it stars Aaron Cahill and Ryan Pavey. Now, before we jump in, I just want to say this is the part where I just need to say basically these actors are just like the exact opposite of what I feel like are described in the book. Um, okay. Like, but. That that's why the tone is off. Like they're both much geekier and dorkier in the book uh, wow. than these two beautiful people. <laughs> but Katie, let's get into this. Let's do Sorry. it. Here we go. December eighteenth in the year of our Lord nineteen oh three. Mr. Charles Whitley, played by Ryan Pavey, after having purchased a clock as a Christmas gift for his betrothed, mysteriously and permanently disappeared. He was up in his study after all the servants had retired to their chambers, fixing said clock, when he was never seen again. As... Yes. (laughs) As an incredibly wealthy young man with no heirs, all his money and possessions went into receivership and were taken over by the town of Cutter Springs. In a fictional 2020, where there is no black cloud hanging over that year, Mr. Whitley's mansion is now a museum dedicated to him, his inventions, because he was an inventor, life in 1903, as well as his mysterious disappearance. And it's one of those living museum places where the people like dress up and pretend to be part of that time period. And they are playing real people who are part of his household while, you know, dispensing information. And that is why Megan Turner, played by Aaron Cahill, is dressed like a turn of the century maid, specifically her great grandmother, Rosie, who actually was Charles Whitley's housekeeper. And uh, this museum version of his home is where the real Charles Whitley finds himself one morning, confused and disoriented. He goes to look for Rosie, but finds Megan and a tour group in his house. What? How dare these people be in his home without permission? And he says as much. 
Uh, and Megan is equally confused. Who is this man dressed up and pretending to be Charles Whitley? Did they get a replacement actor she wasn't aware of? Why does he look so much like the portrait of Mr. Whitley? Why is he being so rude to these paying customers? They just want some history, darn it. And since the museum head... Kenny also doesn't know who this is. They end up calling the sheriff to take away the crazy man who claims to be the long-lost owner of the mansion. So on his way out the door, Megan notices that Charles has a scar in his hand that the real Charles also had, but it's kind of like a secret. So that's that's strange. And yeah. So is his comment about his secret hiding place in his study. Intrigued, Megan investigates, and what do you know? There is stuff in it, uh, hidden in the floor of the study. This man is the real Charles Whitley, time-traveled from 1903. Megan believes. <laughs> and so she goes to rescue him from the sheriff. Now that Charles has Megan, they have to figure out WTF is going on. <laughs> Uh, why is he in 2020? How did he get there? Can he get back? How? What are the time travel rules? What does he do until they figure this stuff out? Pretty much at all, anytime. <laughs> uh, luckily, Megan is the head honcho in terms of historical stuff at the museum. Um, she has an advanced degree in history with a focus specifically on Charles Whitley. A little bit weird that that's, was her dissertation was on this person, but whatever. Don't think so hard about it. <laughs> I'm not going to think very, very hard at all. Um, so letting Charles stay in the modernized guest house part of the mansion seems, like, cool. And for money, he can just play himself at the museum. Hey. Why not? Lucked out that there was an opening. I know. <laughs> So it takes a moment for Charles to relax into his role as him. Uh, but <laughs> Megan is easy to banter with, and soon the duo is the highlight of the tours. And there is definitely a spark. But there are things that Megan isn't telling Charles about what happened after he disappeared. Specifically, that his main rival, Harold Moran, not only flourished as a business person inventor guy but also married charles's fiance little backstabby but also maybe not i don't know yeah we can talk more yeah. about that later but it doesn't feel as malicious so. as he seems to think it is yeah yeah it's almost like when he starts talking about harold moran everyone's kind of like are we talking about the same harold moran <laughs> like what's your deal about this guy <laughs> sour grapes i think maybe <laughs> And so when going over his actions the night he disappeared, Charles realizes that he was fixing the clock he had purchased, and that must be the time travel mechanism. If he can get the clock and recreate that night, he should be able to return to his own time. But the clock is missing, and they can't find it anywhere in the museum, which frustrates Charles to no end. Still, He's enjoying the future and his time with Megan. And Megan is starting to hope that the clock is never found and Charles can stay forever. Forever. Yeah. So at Megan's family Christmas party, where Megan admits to her mother that she does have feelings for Charles, it finally comes out what happened after his disappearance with Moran and his fiance and all of that. While Megan tries to explain that she was just trying to protect him, Charles is understandably pissed about being lied to. Because, yeah. Deception. Uh, he just wants to go back, or he wants to go back just to ruin Moran's success, mostly, basically, because it's not fair. <laughs> I want things my way, because I'm Charles Whitley. <laughs> Megan is interviewing for a history professor position at the local university, as all of the people in her family are teachers. We thank you for your service. Uh, while there, she sees a clock, specifically the Christmas clock that can, in theory, help Charles get home. Uh, in an effort to apologize, she retrieves it and brings it back to the mansion for him. Now he just needs to wind it on a Christmas moon, which is apparently the second full moon in December. We need to talk more we about that. We will absolutely 100% get into that. 
Um, And this second full moon is happening on Christmas Eve in this story. And that's the night of the museum's fundraising gala. So Megan is super sad to have Charles go, but she can't very well ask him to give up his life and stay because that's crazy pants. (laughs) So she just asked that he say goodbye. At the party, Charles gives a speech, a.k.a. a thinly veiled declaration to Megan, and there is a dance. And when Megan is stopped by her parents and admits she has turned down the professorship in order to keep doing the museum, Charles is gone. Oh no. Rushing upstairs to his study, Megan is heartbroken that he's left. But wait! There he is! He just went to break the clock so it can't be used to send him back. He's going to stay with Megan. He's going to forgive Moran and the happiness that he found because it also allows Charles his own happiness with his love, who is Megan. Plus, he hasn't given Megan her Christmas present yet. So they kiss. And since one One kiss kiss means means forever, we know that this is a lasting relationship. I mean, no one else even knows who he really is, so that's a good thing. And so it's good that it's true love. Yeah. Except for the fact that the clock does strike at the end of the movie. Again, Katie. Shh. This is this movie. Okay. Now that we've finished the synopsis, <laughs> I can pick this movie apart. And and we're going to because it is bonkers bananas. Just yeah. <laughs> just absolutely bonkers bananas and again i freaking love this movie uh a little behind the scenes <laughs> when kiss means forever for you we record a few weeks plus early for these episodes so uh in our world um i believe the movie comes out on dvd next week so i don't oh my actually God. have this movie yet uh, will I be getting this movie? Uh, I think I will. <laughs> like, so, I freaking love it. I love this movie so much. It is, but it is absolute insanity. There is so many unanswered questions. There's so many things that are wrong. <laughs> there are so many problems, if you think about them, even remotely. <laughs> Sure. But with the clock, the clock striking at the very end, like, you know, they do the close up of the clock and it goes ding. That's my way of that. I think that's their way of leaving the door open for a possible sequel. Give me a sequel. Like maybe they. 100%. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Like we'll we'll call it a time full Christmas and they go back to 1903, the both of them. All right. Yeah. You know, or I would be or happy to. 2103. I, you know what I would also be really happy with is if we get like a, a world building sequel where like they're not really in it. It's really just more time travel with the clock and it's two completely different people. Oh, like it's, it's that an clock is saucy. Kinda, situation i would be totally happy with that too i'm down with it yeah like because the so the movie opens when it's it's an auction Mm -hmm. yep and so which is i kind of wish that this was lot 666 (laughs) that would make things (laughs) because it definitely has phantom vibes like this whole auction setup yes um, but what if we found out how it got into that auction? Yeah. That clock. Also, who who clipped it? Who, like, right. who broke it? Because somebody, like, he was fixing it because somebody else had broken it. Because, yeah. as they say at the end, he thinks they found their true love and broke it to stay put, too. So I, I just think that's wonderful. I think you should write it. Okay. We're going to. One Kiss Means Forever Publishing. We're, we're, we've got a lot of books to write, Katie. <laughs> No, and I don't remember any of them. <laughs> um, so let's start with this Christmas moon. Yeah. Again. Okay. The fallacy of the Christmas moon. <laughs> the Christmas moon. I think I need to explain it because I think I'm the one that explained it to you. Yeah. And then, and then you brought it to like the book, which was better. And I was very happy about that. Yeah. Um, but like it never even occurred to me until you said it. And then it's now it's very glaring every time I watch this movie. (laughs) So the thing is, this movie starts on December 18th, right? And so 
It's supposedly, supposedly, <laughs> um, a Christmas moon on December 18th. But anybody knows that one full moon cycle is 28 days. So unless the 18th has 10 further days in December ahead of it, there's no possible way that that was the second full moon in December <laughs> at all. And it's, it's and also same, same on a Christmas Eve, Christmas moon, because again, 28 day cycle, it can't have already been in December. It would have been in November. So it can happen, just not ever on those days. <laughs> right. Like it would have to be like the, tw- like the 29th, yeah. <laughs> the earliest. Well, I, I, so the internet, which is, you know, knows everything. Uh, they said it was only possible on the 30th and th- 31st, which I couldn't figure out why. But, like, why couldn't it be the 28th through the 31st? But still, I don't, I don't know. if those are the rules for a Christmas moon, it can only be the last four days maximum of December. Mm, like, that, yeah. that's – it's just – it is it's physically just, impossible. <laughs> Maybe maybe it's that it's like twenty eight full days. So if it occurs on the first, it's like twenty eight days after the first. So okay. it would be like the thirtieth, I guess. I have no idea. I am not an astronomer no. or an astrologer, but I do know moon cycles, and it can't happen on the eighteenth. <laughs> Damn you! Or the twenty fourth. <laughs> or the twenty fourth. Uh, I also want to just talk about how, like, he shows up in the future. You know, he's he's made, like, a comment in 1903 about how, like, isn't it cool? Like, some brothers in North Carolina are working on a flying machine, and then, like, there's cars and electricity and planes and, he, and cell phones. And he's like, this is cool. And But that's kind of the level of, like, excitement and awe. Yeah. It's just like, that's cool. I like this. That's very interesting. As opposed to the correct thing, which should be like utter panic. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I have a theory about this okay. because I don't know if since he has an inventor's mind and he can kind of see things in the future, like that's that's his main kind of thing. Yeah. Like his fiance was like, you're always thinking about the future. I think that he has the kind of mind that if he saw everything he probably could see the trajectory in his mind and be excited rather than overwhelmed and scared okay how however he does get into a car to go to the sheriff's office quite easily for someone who's never gotten into a motor vehicle before well just like everything like okay even if you go with that like he should be like how does this work please explain this to me like you know like he should just be like it it should elicit more of a reaction. I understand that for sure. I was trying to think about this because you have said this before when discussing this movie. And I'm like, if I were to be transported 100 years into the future, how would I react? Because how much different will it – it'd probably be very different 100 years from now, thinking 100 years from past now, whatever. Yeah. But I think my mind could catch up. I think it's at possible some point. at some point. It just the The instantaneous catch up is – what throws me again not thinking about it um, <laughs> um okay there there are a number of points in this movie where i just go huh that was a choice what whatever happened to that choice did we go back to that <laughs> like do we we should think about that somewhere yeah so the first one is when she goes to save him from the sheriff she lies and says that his name is actually really Charles Garland, not Charles Whitley, and he's an actor, and he's like a method actor, and he's taking it very seriously. Fine. So when he stays in the future, is he Charles Whitley, or is he Charles Charles Garland? Is it, what, That's a good question. Like, is Charles Garland a person? I've talked about this many times. What about his papers? What is, <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very concerned about his social security. <laughs> Check that it's going to show up. In his- <laughs> I have a feeling that that uh, she can fudge some documents. Of She's all of gonna have to. We're gonna have yeah. to, you know, fake a birth certificate. <laughs> well, he probably has a birth certificate. You just have to change some numbers. <laughs> yeah, right. And that maybe he'll be like Charles Whitley Garland. will add it to the end. Yeah, or something. right. So I I was wondering about that. 
Um, and at one point she says she knows everything about him because she's read his journals, all his journals. Um, but that's a problem because she found one in the floorboards that day. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that was obviously a journal she did not read. <laughs> that and that was his that was his secret. That was his secret I'm inventing things journal. It was his secret I'm inventing things journal, and it is why he was hiding it. I agree. But I'm also very shocked that nobody found a secret compartment under the floor. I I mean, they've clearly, like, done extensive work in this house. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the archaeologists of this place probably would have sonared and, like, found it. Especially when she – because she finds it because it sounds a little bit different in the floorboards. I guarantee you that these historians do exactly that. But also the fact that, what, somebody – no one has done that in 117 years? Like, bullshit. (laughs) Just, Just utter bullshit. All right. Would you like some trivia, Katie? Because I want I, all of it. Um, so there is a line in this movie. It is my favorite line in this movie. As they go out for pizza. And uh, he it is on his first day or, you know, she picks him up from the sheriff. They go to they go for pizza. And he insists on paying and they get the bill and it's twenty three dollars. And he says, $23, that's highway robbery. <laughs> Which, you know, fair. Like, fair. Sure. For Pete. And then he doesn't have his wallet. And, you know, it's a whole thing. But I did some research. And I was like, how, you know, what? what is this actually like for him? What does $23 sound like to the 1903 mind? <laughs> And according to the internet, again, the place that knows everything and there's nothing wrong with it ever, uh, $23 in 1903 would be the equivalent of $671.80 in 2020. (laughs) I would say that's more than highway robbery. That's like straight up extortion. Like... I just love the idea of a $672 pizza. <laughs> That's a fucking good pizza, man. And if what he would have found a reasonable price, in theory, uh, he doesn't know pizza, obviously, but the equivalent, the $23 equivalent in 1903 money would have been 77 cents. I like that yeah. too. So that's more like we should have taken him to the dollar pizza places. Huh? Yeah. Like yeah. West Forest Street. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I mean, $23 for two people to have pizza is kind of expensive. It is kind of expensive. Especially for like. And not, ha- and not have leftovers. Yeah. For no leftovers, I'm assuming no tip because this is what was on the bill. Yeah. Maybe they had wine that we didn't see. I guess. Yeah, then that would be I better. Know. I don't know. Uh, but pizza is delightful, so I was happy that he was <laughs> he found it so delightful as well. Um, I, I looked up – I had my own little – just one little thing that it. I thought was an anachronistic but wasn't. Uh-huh. Um, so the first night he's staying in the in the museum in the guest suite – he said he finds his toiletry case in like one of the museum cases. And she's like, maybe you don't use a hundred year old toothpaste and it's a tube of toothpaste. And I had to be like, did they have tubes of toothpaste in 1903? And I did in fact find out that the tube of toothpaste was introduced in 1899 uh-huh. or 1889, 1889. Oh, so it's been around a decent. Yeah, I was, I was happy to have been proven wrong. <laughs> Lovely. You know, there's a couple of times when they actually do get their history right, where, it, like, you know, he doesn't know the words to, uh, is it Oak? We wish you, we a, Merry wish you a Merry Christmas. And that, like, that was written in the, like, 1920s, I believe. Yeah. So, like, it's like, okay. Like, you're right. He wouldn't know the words. There might have been pizza, but probably only in, like, the tenements of New York. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, like where was he going to, like, if his chef didn't know how to make pizza, then he wasn't going to have pizza. Um, this is true. But speaking of the, he found his toiletries. He did take it out of a display case, which I thought was 
was a choice considering that he is aware that it is a museum and he is in the future. <laughs> but it's his. I know. I don't know. And he doesn't, I mean, one other thing that he probably doesn't understand is convenience. It probably mm. took him like weeks to order those things and doesn't know to pop down to the CVS and grab That's something. That's true. That's true. That is plastic and <laughs> wasteful. <laughs> um, so he, the, another thing that I want to touch on, because this, this happened uh differently in the book and it happened correctly in the book because it is insanity in the movie to me so okay. he is he shows up in his you know 1903 garb as which makes sense and so she's like we have you know we have got to take you shopping you you, you have to wear like modern clothes also sure okay Fine. yeah the thing is, she knows that he wants to leave, that he's planning on going back. And yet in the movie, she takes him to like a real store. Like why would, and she's paying for it. He doesn't have any money. So why is she buying him new clothes for what, like a week? They don't know how long he's, because they have, at that point, they haven't figured out how he can get back. Right. He doesn't know it's the clock. That's true. But, like, even so, new clothes when he's trying to return and it's... Do they have gone to a thrift store? Well, in the book, she just borrows clothes from her brother. Oh. Well, we don't know. She she doesn't have a brother in the movie. Yes, she does. He's at the party. Oh, he is? Yeah. He, he like, broke his leg skiing or something a few years I ago. obviously when they did were... not Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he does have a brother, or she does have a brother. Um, so he could have borrowed her. I don't. I don't think the brother and Ryan Pavey are the same size, so like maybe they couldn't have. Uh, but like, yeah, she, she if she was gonna buy him clothes, it should a hundred percent be at a thrift store. Like, why is she buying him new clothes? I was surprised that they had so many of his old clothes at the museum in such great condition, to be honest, because he has multiple changes of outfit as Charles Whitley that is in true. the museum. Yeah, he he has, like, a tux and stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. Which those might also be recreations and new, but... Well, they, they make it seem like it was this the his. original. Yeah. I don't know. Again, if, I mean, these are and things- if that's the case... Are they putting the actors who have portrayed Charles Whitley into these hundred-year-old garments? I don't know. That is concerning. (laughs) Yeah. It belongs in a museum. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's definitely a lot of – you can't think about it. Because also the other – he doesn't get – like, he's weirded out by how forward, like, the women are and, like – in some that makes ways. sense to me. But he doesn't make any reference to the fact that his fiance character is played by a woman of color. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I, I I kind of like that that was colorblind. I mean, like, right. I have no problem with it. But like, it, that's if, a different movie if Charles Whitley turned out to be, you know, your average racist <laughs> Robert Baron. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, like, you know, it's one of those, like, we've decided to just not touch this topic with a 10-foot pole, and we're not going to come anywhere near it. And, it, you know, yeah. it's just sort of like, yeah, he would he would have made a comment. And they, but also, kudos to Hallmark for doing it anyway. True. Even if they were trying to avoid that argument. Yeah, I guess that's true. That is very true. Um, So, there, there are a few more just ridiculous... My brain is a weird place. Give it to me. Um, so at some point they say that his fiance waited like for him for like ever, you know, she, she waited for so long and she kept looking for him, blah, 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 until she finally married Harold Moran. But they also say that she was married to Harold Moran for 66 years. Yeah. Even I, I'm assuming that. Her being married to Harold Moran is until Harold Moran's death, with the assumption that she is 
20. Yeah. yeah. And he is about the same age as Charles Whitley, who is 31. Right? Does that yeah. track for yeah. you? Okay. I think it does. So it's not really possible that they waited more than like a couple years maximum. I feel like <laughs> when I in in this timeline that they never discussed, I I was I was seeing them married six months later. Yeah, to be so, honest. So this like, oh, this whole like waiting for him thing is bullshit. Well, but I mean, it's not like she married him the next day. I feel like she probably like searched for like three or four months. It was like it was futile, and then Harold Moran was like, well. I have always liked you. She didn't really even like Charles in the no, beginning. Like didn't. anyway, like they were they were definitely not suited for each other and Rosie said so. It's true. Um so she probably did it out of propriety. I have no idea how long the morning is like the like morning etiquette is yeah. in 1903. Well, uh, do you think they were months. mourning? I'm sure they wore black. You think like so? I I just couldn't I'll, tell. I I, oh. I mean we don't see that. We don't see it at all. So but I would I wouldn't think that I think six months I think is the is that's the thing. how you would go because that, that was that's that's where I would go maybe maybe a year maybe morning is a year I have no idea I just I've spent a lot of time being like what well, you know the the two the two statements don't seem to match <laughs> if you're doing all six you can, six years is a long time it's a long ass time to be married but but you know what I I did think about this same kind of timeline too because. Charles Whitley is talking to the the guy who's decorating the Christmas tree in the like the town square. He worked at like the Moran factory and Charles Whitley goes like, "Oh, like he talks to him as if he were to have known Harold Moran," which I was like, "This guy, like you're from 1903, how would this guy have known it?" But if Harold Moran was alive until the 60s, then maybe this guy would have actually met him, right. even though he said he was long gone before his time, but it wouldn't there could have been some overlap. Um, and I thought, and I, I was like, well, that actually kind of makes sense <laughs> if this guy who is probably, was probably born in the forties or thirties or forties yeah. would have been working in the factory at that point. Yeah. Right. But I guess, but it, maybe Harold Murren retired. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah. so that's what he meant by not his time. Um, at the end of this movie, Charles is like, what am I going to do with my life now that I'm going to live here and be with you it's our future but let's also not plan a past new year's <laughs> like okay um so he is like maybe i can make like your basically like maybe i can make your cell phone faster and better <laughs> that that's his idea <laughs> i think he should go to grad school to be honest he should he should do something something yeah. um which, as stupid as I find that, of as a like, this is what I'll do. I'll figure. I'll figure out cell phone technology and make it better. In the book, it's even weirder of a choice of professions because they do have like a little epilogue one year later bit in the book. Oh no! Where they get engaged. Um, but his job is basically like being a 1903 specialist and being like yeah that's accurate to the time period and like selling things like oh i actually think that's really cool it's cool but can you make a living at that I mean, think about all think about all of the the TV shows and shit that take place around that era. Like he could be a consultant on I, like film and TV. Yeah, I I think that was the problem is that he wasn't doing that. I don't remember. It's oh. been a while since I've read the book. Um, but it, I do remember thinking like, "Huh. Okay. I don't quite get it, but sure." Yeah. <laughs> Should we move on All into right. our segments? Let's or do you I, have more? No, that we we can. Uh, I mean, I I have a deep dive into a lot of other things, but that's on the Which Was Better podcast, and you can go find that episode. Yeah. Um, so, Hallmark Hallmarks. Let's do it. All right. So my first one is someone says like 
he's pretty cute, huh? And the response is like, I didn't notice. <laughs> ah, cute. Um, he, he works too much. And the, um, yeah. Yeah. The lead female is recently single. <laughs> Someone utters the words, true love is worth waiting for. <laughs> uh, there's no rush to start dating. Yeah. Um, I think this goes along with what you said with that, that he was cute, right? Um, just saying you should get back on the horse after yeah. Yeah. being dumped. Yeah. There is a town Christmas tree lighting. Yeah. They go Christmas shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, she literally falls into his arms at one point. That was my next one as well. <laughs> I did put deception because she doesn't tell him about Eliza. That is what I have next too. Color. <laughs> I'm out, but I bet there are tons more. I have two more, okay. and one of which you put you put in the synopsis okay. where he gives a speech that is a thinly oh, veiled yeah. declaration. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we get that often. And then my last one is kind of a stretch, but he asks her, what are you doing for New Year's Eve? <laughs> There's a whole song dedicated to it. Yep. It's often mm-hmm. it's often the next thing. Oh, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, there is there is one that I hate as just a concept, as an everything. Um, giving somebody a gift while opening it for them. Oh... <laughs> I, you're absolutely right. From on a, in an aesthetic point of view, I like the way that that looks. But you're right. Why you're being an asshole? <laughs> unless unless you're Richard Gere and Pretty Woman, and you're like presenting jewels to someone, don't do it. Right? No, I I want to open the box. It, my turn. My <laughs> turn. <laughs> you're giving it to me. Let me have that experience. Exactly. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. There, there is a um, part of me that's part cat. The box is half the fun. What are you doing? <laughs> true. That's so true. Oh, my gosh. Uh, pretty parade? Pretty parade. So I just want to start my pretty with just this is the Ryan Pavey look that I want all the time, yep. every time. Yep. Please and thank you. Uh, the scruff, the suit, the like, even like the de- the like kind of gruff demeanor, mm-hmm. it does it for me. I don't need to see him in dungarees ever again. Mm-hmm. I need him in like so. My one of mine was Ryan Pavey in a tux. <laughs> yeah. So along those lines, absolutely. Yeah. Like this is this is a time period that was made for him and his demeanor. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, my second one is Megan's Rosie the Maid shoes. Shoes! Shoes! Shoes, shoes. I was hoping you would say because that was my next one too. Um, oh my God, those shoes are incredible. I want them. I want them so badly. I, I Have I looked up theater, like company? 18th century. 18th century like... shoes? Yes, I have. Cannot bring myself to spend the kind of money that it costs to get those. Yeah, but oh my god, do I want them? They're oh, so great. They look just those shoes that have like the curved, like the curved heel that's right underneath your heel. It's not on the side. It's like that is like such a great look. They're like they're like witchy, but they're not. Or like yeah, so and they great. But, and they like lace up. Oh, they're just mm. beautiful. I love them. Perfection. I love them so much. I'm glad that you were on this train with me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll just throw my last one in, and it's just very Katie basic. The chandeliers. Like, the house was pretty, and the chandeliers were gorgeous. So those were my prettiness parades. Um, I also – I liked Megan's final purple dress. I thought that was a pretty classy, like, period-inspired but not period look. You know, they had to do that because when the clock strikes at the end and they're transported to 1903, she'll be in style. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a la Kate and Leopold. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay. My anti is 
the snowflake pendant that he gets her for Christmas. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's, I'm sorry, I don't think it's nice enough to be in Claire's. No, you're <laughs> absolutely right. And I even had that as in one of my notes. Like I, I had, I hate that stupid snowflake necklace. It didn't occur to me to make it an anti. So you're so smart. Oh, it's, it is just like absolutely the worst. Ugh. Gross. It, it's so it's, gross. It's so bad. It, and for Charles Whitley, millionaire, to present her with basically a plastic fucking snowflake ornament on a chain. <laughs> like, how with, cheap is that? With, like, plastic faux gems. Like, blue gems. Oh. Ugh, they're so bad. Step it's, it up, Hallmark. Yeah, it's just not. Every time they pan to that, it's like, ugh. Just like she was, and the worst part was before he gave it to her and put it on her, she was wearing a like relatively nice necklace. <laughs> so dumb. Across the universe. Um, I already mentioned mine, which it reminded me of Phantom with the auction at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I have, it begins with an auction and an old music box. I mean, clock. Yeah, that is true. Um, I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't say this was part of the Kenny verse. Oh, duh. Yeah. This is a Kennyverse movie. It makes me very happy. Hannah, I think you need to tell our listeners a little bit more about what the Kennyverse is. Okay. Um, so, the Kennyverse. The Kennyverse. Uh, the Kennyverse all has to do with one Mr. Nelson Wong. He is Kenny. And he, I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now. How many? of how how many times he's played Kenny. 2005 is the first Kenny Kwan movie. One of the other previous Kennyverse movies was a Ryan Peavy movie. Right? Christmas at the Plaza. Ten! Oh my Uh, gosh! Ten. Eleven. Yes, and Christmas. One of them is Christmas at the Plaza. There there are twelve movies that you might be able to consider part of the the Kennyverse. Now, It's a little bit, you know, he is Kenny Kwan most of the time. Sometimes Kwan is spelled K-W-A-N. Sometimes it's K-W-O-N. Sometimes he's just Kenny. Sometimes he has a different last name, which I don't know if we count that as part of the Kennyverse. I think so. Um, But they're always TV movies. Um, So, you know, there's there's that. Um, There are a lot of them and he's not actually the same character he just has the same name and that's what I enjoy about the Kennyverse it's great I wonder <laughs> I, I really kind of wish that like if if you're Nelson Wong or you're Nelson's Wong Nelson Wong's people I want to interview Nelson Wong so bad to see if there is any sort of like connection he's made creatively in his own mind about linking these Kenny movies together. Like if there's like a behind the scenes, like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead sort of behind the scenes <laughs> Kenny verse that he's created. I feel like there's gotta be, if, if it doesn't exist, somebody will have to make it. Cause I don't know that I have the patience to do it. Good job with that. Kenny verse. All right. Uh, do you have any new and noteworthy? I, I do have a couple quick ones. Okay. Um, at the beginning of the movie, Rosie tells um, uh, Charles Whitley that she doesn't think that they're meant to be or like that he's she's not the right girl for him. And I don't think we often see that being told to the man. That's true. Um, uh, um, and then I they they resist the power of the mistletoe kiss because there is mistletoe and they choose not to do it. I have that too. Yay! Uh, Though, I will say, in the book, they do kiss at that point. But my other new and noteworthy is that they uh, do like a shout out to solar energy and they're like, all of, you know, most of this all runs on solar. (laughs) <laughs> love it thank you yeah, so. switching to paper straws reusable mugs and solar energy yeah climate change love is it. real people all right supporting shout out i put kenny <laughs> <laughs> actually i put kenny but i also really like the actor 
uh, couple, which mm-hmm. I didn't write down their names. The actor couple, who are like actually a pretty big part of the movie, but can be cut out of all synopsis, apparently. Yeah. So there are these actors who are part of the reenacting people, one of whom is playing the fiance. And um, she's she's really interested in getting like, you know, the moments right in this. And her husband is always like, it's not Shakespeare. But later on in the movie, he says, it's not Shakespeare, but it is when you do it. And I thought that was probably the one of the most romantic things I've ever heard. <laughs> I love it. Uh, kiss meter. Here we are. So we we technically have two kisses in this movie. We have the yeah. the kiss when when they decide they're together, and then the kiss like when they go back to the party at the end, kind of like a see we're really together kiss. I'll give my first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it a six. Okay. Because Ryan Pavey does this like open mouth, like go in. Like, he's like a really wide mouth with the kiss and it, it ends up being just like two seconds long. So it's almost like it needed to have been like a makeout sesh, but it was like, oh, done. <laughs> um, I mean, I needed like a solid five seconds more. He traveled through time for you, you bitch. Like, <laughs> Like, like, and 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 five seconds more would have been a pretty short kiss. Like, five seconds is a lot in movie time, but but it needed to do like, but yeah, it like, needed to be less than a, a millisecond. You're absolutely right. So short. It was like, but so do short. you like each other? I can't tell. You like, it was basically like, what is the fastest I can stick my tongue in your mouth and get it out? <laughs> Ew. Sorry, that's what's happening. No, but you're absolutely right. (laughs) All romance is gone. And, like, I feel like had it been longer, it would have been a pretty decent kiss. Yeah. Like, it. They earned it. I liked them as a couple. I did too. I liked them as a couple. I like, I, and I think the kiss, had it been longer, it would have hit church tongue and been a solid, like, eight. But the fact that it was shorter, I agree. It's still, it's a six. It's just like, it It felt, you know, like it sh- the, the length of time should have been a peck. And it wasn't a peck. And it just felt weird. <laughs> Did you rate anything different for the second one? Um, the second one got slightly higher in that it got to a seven because it was slightly longer. But still, it needed, keep your lips touching for longer than like the time it takes to blink, please. <laughs> I also gave it a seven. I said it was slightly better, but it looked like they were still suck facing. Yeah. I mean, it looked exactly the same. Just instead of like in out, it was in beat out. <laughs> instead of what should have been like in beat, 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 out. <laughs> or whatever. Are one kiss means forever. You're a kiss choreographer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We have seen many kisses. Many, many kisses on the television. (laughs) But, Hannah, would you watch this movie? I mean, as I said at the top, I freaking love this movie. I (laughs) think I've seen it four or five times, which it doesn't sound like crazy, but like that's an insane amount of times to see a Hallmark Hallmark movie. (laughs) Yeah. Considering how many of these fucking movies we have to watch, to watch another one five times. Yeah, like, is, the, the fact yeah. that I've seen it this many times is, like, this is before we decided to do it as a podcast. Like, this was true. This was my, like, I am enjoying watching this movie and I'm just watching this movie. Watch. I love it. Um, I think... At some point, I did text you a picture of me watching this movie and being like, I have a problem, and I I recognize this the problem. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> like, like, uh-oh. <laughs> we, like, I may need an intervention. I, I, it, is, it is so bonkers bananas, and I love it. Love it. How about you, Katie? Yeah, same. There's just I know it's bonkers bananas, but there is just something charming about this movie. Like it like they're fun, they're flirting in character at the museum is fun. Like I love a good 
costume drama, even though like we're like there's acting involved. Anything that has to do with actors, I'm about. Like, just there's a charm to this movie. It's fun. Don't think too hard. Go yeah, for the ride. Right, Done. right. You just you do have to go for the ride. It, it, this is a turn your brain off, stop thinking. Because if you do start thinking, you will go down deep and dark rabbit holes of well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Because also, the other thing that they tell us how the time travel works, but at no point is there clear how they came, like, their uh, hypothesis becomes truth without it ever being tested, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it like, it must be the clock. I don't know why they would think it was the clock. It doesn't really make any sense to me why they would think it was the clock. Because the clock tells time and that means it's a time machine and (laughs) and he and it was the only thing like so when you're doing the scientific method you have to like it was the only thing that changed it it was the only thing that changed that was the variable was the clock and i think that that follows but see i disagree that that was the only thing that changed because it was also a magic christmas moon and if it hadn't been a magic christmas moon and he was just fixing the clock would that then he wouldn't have time traveled yeah. Well, it was both of those things. It just happened to work out that they were all together. And But sure, it was the Christmas moon, but Christmas moons don't exist. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a magical, like, uh, you know what it is? It's like when they do the, like, time-lapse videos, it's like time-lapsed time. The, mo- the moon cycled extra fast. <laughs> things were just different back then, you know? Like... The moon worked differently Mm a hundred years Mm -hmm. ago. Yeah, because we'd never been to it before. (laughs) (laughs) We fucked it up when we landed there. We're like, now the moon cycle's extra long. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So great. Um, so friends, this was a timeless Christmas. I hope you had a timeless fun with us today. We are continuing on with Christmas time next week. Yes. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Uh, So make sure to rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice and that you're following us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. One kiss means forever, where the one and the four are numerals. Um, We are deep in in Christmas. Yes. Again, as I said, we record these a few weeks in advance, so I do not know what our lives are like right now, Katie, when this is dropping, because by the time this drops, this will, we're going to have hit the movie every day on Lifetime, and oh. we, we <laughs> might be dead people. <laughs> Future us, we love you. Self-care is real. Um, so if you have any... Um, Christmas movie everyday self-care tips you can email those to us at one kiss means forever at gmail.com uh, and thank you to yes. Flint Pastors for our outro music his stuff's on Apple Music Spotify and SoundCloud uh, and uh, we hope to see you on the internet we hope to see you in the inbox and we'll see you next week bye bye Saturday, what a day, grooving all week with you.